Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. Today's podcast is sponsored by Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 SAR reviews on Zillow, and they are simply grinders and the best in the area. I vouch for them. They're trying to help me locate a new building for my business because I would like to upgrade. And if you need any assistance, whether selling your house or looking for a new one, look for their information in the show notes. As I've said in the past, I really like questions. Questions really help jar my creative side and I like answering questions and I've had a few lately and I really like that. Today's question comes from Shane of New Smyrna Beach, and he asked me if there was a psychological side of injuries and how to overcome that. And the answer is an affirmative yes, as I imagine he probably knew and wants some tips on how to potentially overcome this. And a lot of people have this question and a lot of people have this issue. We see it all the time in our industry. So first off, there is a return to play theory that we use in the professional industry as far as helping athletes get back to play. And I'm going to kind of go through it a little bit. That way you can see how important this psychological component of injury is. So the first thing every athlete has to go through is they have to heal the injury, right? So they have to get out of absolute pain and trauma and acute injury first. Acute means it's happening at the time, kind of like a sprained knee, a dislocated shoulder, a dislocated kneecap, a sprained ankle. So the first thing is we have to get the injury going in the right direction, which is healing. So we have to get out of pain first. Typically that's the old famous process of rice, rest, ice, compress, and elevate. And this can take a few days or it could take months if there is an ACL tear, something pretty serious, a surgery needed, something that requires a long-term process of healing. This is not the intention of this podcast, but I do want to say here, if that is the case with injuries, there are still plenty of ways to do other things around the injury. We don't want to atrophy in other areas, but keeping it to the psychology of specific injuries, I will say that the first thing we have to do is get out of pain. Now, after that, and the healing has started to take place, And we know that when the pain has really subsided and the inflammation is gone, well, the next step is we have to strengthen the area. We have to strengthen and improve the range of motion of the injury. It's very, very critical to strengthen the problem so the problem does not recur again. And I will come back to this in a second. I'm just going to take you through the stages for an athlete. Because that's really where we need to be right now for most people. All right, so the next step after that would be we go back to functional movement. And that means after we've done our therapy of strengthening around the injury, the muscles, the tendons, and whatever, 
then we go to a functional movement pattern. So that just basically means, are we able to do the things that we were once able to do? Can we do functional movement? If it's a leg injury, that's walking, jogging, running, those types of things. If it's upper body, it's being able to do most of all the normal upper body movements that we used to be able to do. Following that, if we play sport, then we would do a sport specific rehab process, which means that we would take it from functional and general to sport specific. So if you are a football player or soccer player or something that uses your legs a lot, we would do sport specific activities such as running and cutting and bounding and sidestepping and things like that, kicking a ball if it's soccer. So we would do very specific things to get the person ready. All right. I bring all this up because the final stage of return to play status is what we call psychological readiness. So if it's part of a return to play policy for athletes, whether they be amateur athletes or professional athletes, and that's the final step is psychological readiness, that shows you how important it is for the person to be psychologically ready to return to action. It is huge. I often tell people that what we focus on, we begin to gravitate towards. So think about what that means. If we're always thinking about the injury, we are creating all this negative in energy and we might be gravitating towards that injury again. Sounds pretty like psychological and, uh, you know, kind of head trippy, but there is a lot of evidence to it. All right. So the uh, example I used to use for students to think about when I used to teach sports psychology is they basically will show like downhill mountain bike racers. If you've ever seen it, it's like really crazy. Something that I would not do. It's like skiing, but on a mountain bike. So they basically just go down these very, very, very steep declines, hitting super fast speeds. I mean, just, you know, like motorcycle level speeds. And once they hit the bottom, they have to maneuver through trees and things like that. So you can see them kind of like what they look at when they go down. And the only thing you can see really are kind of like these openings in the trees, right? So the studies have shown that if they focus on the openings of the tree, which might be three to four to five feet in width, so not very wide, they will get through it. If they look at the tree from the start at those speeds, they're going to hit the tree, all right? So that's something I want everybody to think about once they've injured themselves. If we sit there and stare at the injury psychologically, we're most likely going to re-injure ourselves. Now, here's the tricky part. If we're not cautious at all, we could re-injure ourselves again as well. So like so many things in life, we want to find that gray area, that area of, well, I can't sit here and over-focus on it and be overly cautious because then I'm not going to do anything and this area is going to atrophy and I could re-injure it again and I don't want to be like 
very, very like throw caution to the wind and just be like, oh, I can do whatever I want and go back and maybe make the same mistakes I made the last time and get injured. So we have to find somewhere in the middle. So my advice is the very first step is to determine, well, what got you injured to begin with? Was it in your control or not in your control? I have a kid I'm working with now, and it's probably been close to a year since he originally tore his ACL in his knee playing basketball. And he was a pretty competitive high school basketball player, and he injured it a little bit after high school, but he was still playing at a pretty high level. And, you know, in basketball, it was an ACL, as I think I said. In basketball, ACL injuries are fairly common. And there's not a whole lot you can do about it. So when we're talking about control what you can and can don't try to control what you can't, not a whole lot you can do about it. Meaning he kept his legs strong. He was working out with me and, you know, he knew to do proper warmups. And so he kind of controlled what he could, but he got injured because he went for a ball, took an unsteady step and out it goes. So really... In, in contact sports, which basketball kind of is, and, you know, even in a way soccer is, a lot of cutting and things like that, cutting with the legs, agility, and, and um, coordination and stuff like that. So, you know, that's kind of like impact. So those things could happen. We can control all we can control by keeping our joints strong by proper strength training routine, keeping our weight at a healthy weight, not getting too overweight because that will contribute to knee and ankle injuries, not being too slim because again, then we might not have the muscle mass. So we can control those things. But outside of that, we don't have a lot of control other than really just, um, again, keeping yourself prepared going into the game. So now other types of injuries maybe happen because of the way we're working out. So Again, the control we can, we look at. So if I hurt my shoulder, was I bench pressing improperly? Was I doing overhead presses improperly? So step one of not getting hurt again is assessing what could I have done differently? Did I do something wrong in the gym? Most gym injuries, if not all of them, occur because of that. I say it all the time. It is not a prerequisite to get hurt in the gym. It should not be happening. You should be trained properly. You should be training yourself properly if you're training alone. And your trainer should be training you properly where you do not get hurt. Like you don't have to get hurt in a gym. You should follow the instructions and not get hurt. So that's something we can absolutely control. Typically, we get injured in the gym from doing an exercise wrong. Not necessarily too heavy, maybe sometimes too fast, but usually wrong. And wrong sometimes means without a spotter and we get stuck. A lot of times, though, it's simply doing an exercise wrong. For example, you can hurt your shoulder bench pressing, but typically it's because you're using more weight than you probably should and you can't control the descent. So you go down too fast hammer the bar off of your chest and potentially tear your rotator cuff because you were using improper speed. So it's not really even loads that get you hurt, meaning going heavy, it still comes down to bad form. Yes, I know nothing is fail safe and things can happen in a gym. I'm just saying 
most of the time if we get hurt in a gym, it's because we were doing the exercise wrong. And there is a solution to that, learn how to do it right. Another thing that could have happened with injuries that's in our control is muscle imbalances. If we know we're dominant in one area and weaker in another, that's up to us to change it. All right. So again, if somebody's pulling their quad a lot, that usually means that they have overly strong quads and weaker hamstrings. So that's something we can control. And that is just an example. I don't believe that happens to be Mr. Shane's area of concern. I'm just using that as an example. But another thing we can control is by making sure that we're working on all of our muscle imbalances. All right. The old joke you see sometimes on social media, you know, where they say, don't skip leg day and they'll show a picture of a man with a huge chest and biceps and tiny little legs. Well, there is a lot of truth to that, meaning that a lot of guys don't like to work their legs and they create all these different kinds of muscle imbalances and then wonder why certain areas get hurt. I mean, the body really is at its best when it's in balance. So we have to think about that. So that's something we can control. All right. Accidents, um, sports injuries where just impact occurs, we don't have a lot of control over learning the rules that could help us. All right. So now to Mr. Shane's question. So what do we do about it? Well, we figure out what happened. We control what we can. And then we have to get back to training properly and understanding what got us hurt to begin with and not going through those same mistakes. But the biggest mistake you can make is not getting back to what you used to do regarding it because more people get injured because of atrophy and not taking care of themselves than they do in the gyms. Yeah. A lot of times you'll see guys, I'm one of them that will say, I'm a little nicked up. This is bothering me. That's bothering me. But this is all minor stuff compared to developing arthritis, which can happen through inactivity, um, obesity, which can create all kinds of problems and other orthopedic abnormalities because we're not exercising. So one of the worst things we can do to prevent injuries is not go to the gym or not do our home exercise program, whatever we do. We have to keep our bodies strong. Yes, absolutely. There is some psychological distancing that occurs after injury. It is absolutely normal. Now, part of it is a little bit of physical instinct. So if you've hurt your knee, your knee will start to tell you as you get a little bit lower on a leg exercise, ooh, ooh, be careful. Okay, listen to it, but still do it. In time, you'll be, you will find that you'll be able to get back to your full range of motion if you listen to it. So we already have in us enough instincts to protect us. We really, really do. We have to trust that. We have enough instincts to protect us. We have to override the unnecessary, I don't even want to call them instincts, but I think you get the idea, that tell us not to go or to avoid certain things. For example, as soon as my little basketball player guy was able to get pain-free and get the swelling out of his knee, we got back to squats as soon as possible. We, of course, started out very gradual. And yesterday when he was here, because 
He did re-injure his knee, by the way, because he uh, went back to the basketball court and did something silly again. Now he's probably going to be very paranoid about um, playing again. But, you know, one of his issues, unfortunately, is he's gained a little bit of weight and that does impact the knee quite a bit. But anyway, he is coming back again. He was able to do six plates on the leg press yesterday. It was either four or six. I don't know. I don't remember, but it was a lot of weight. I'd have to check his chart and do full range of motion. So leg press is a machine version of a squat. We started out very gradual again, doing a TRX squat and then into a short squat and then focusing more on the leg press because he gets greater range of motion. But the idea is let's train his quads, his hamstrings and glutes to be stronger and train the tendons around the knee to be stronger and then he can get back to play. So it's very critical to get back on the horse, so to say. So to answer the question, it's absolutely normal. I think normalizing things is important. It's so normal, it's the psychological readiness is at the end of an athlete's return to play categorization, as I already said. And by the way, I didn't finish that. Um, it's so big that if an athlete, they take a little bit of a, a psychological battery afterwards after the injury to assess this and if they fail it so to say like if they seem more nervous about returning to play than the psychologist believes they should then they're not allowed to return to play because a fearful athlete will get hurt again i mean there's just no way around it a fearful athlete will get hurt again you ever notice some of the guys that play football sometimes they're throwing their body around you're like god there's no fear and then they tend not to get hurt a lot of times now I'm not going to talk about the head injuries and all that. We all know that that's happened and that's definitely different. I'm talking about there are just some people you probably played sports with that seem to play fearless and never got hurt. And then there are some people that like were very nervous about getting hurt and they got hurt all the time. And you have to wonder, well, which came first? I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're getting the idea which one actually came first. I'll let you draw your own conclusions. And sometimes it's just flat out bad luck. All right. So... If, if they're not ready, they're not allowed to return to play because they don't want them to get hurt again. So what they do instead is they do some psychological things and improve the athlete's confidence to the point where they can return to play to action. Okay, get back to action. So it's absolutely a thing, but we absolutely do have to overcome it. We have to look fear in the face and say, look, I'm going to do everything in my power to get stronger. I'm going to follow good common sense and good training protocols. I'm going to hire an expert if I need to, but I'm going to do what I need to do to get back to it because not getting back to it is actually increasing my risk of injury. All right. So again, Shane, thank you for the question. That was a great question. And as I tell everybody who's listening, somebody else has your question. So email me, text me, Facebook me whatever, and ask me questions. I like answering them. They've been fun this week. Now I'd like to thank our second sponsor, chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos. She is on Granada in Ormond Beach, Florida. She's great. She will absolutely help you return to play. And she will tell you the same thing. She'll say, you got to get back to what you were doing. You have to figure out what went wrong, but get back to it because if you don't, you're asking for trouble. We refer to her all the time, and just like our other sponsors, her information will be in the show notes. Again, it's Dr. Doris Antos, chiropractic physician of Ormond Beach, 
DaytonaBackPain.com. Until next time, be nice.